Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is Newsroom Robots, the podcast where we explore the intersection of artificial intelligence and the news industry. I'm Nikita Roy, data scientist, media entrepreneur, and one of the many founders currently building their ventures at the Harvard Innovation Labs. On the Newsroom Robots, I'm excited to bring you insightful conversations with industry experts about how AI is impacting the way we do journalism. A quick announcement before we get into today's episode. As I've mentioned in the past couple of weeks, Newsroom Robots has partnered with Jeremy Kaplan's Wonder Tools to launch the Generative AI for Media Professionals Masterclass. In December, I will host a live cohort-based two-week course alongside Jeremy Kaplan, who writes the Wonder Tools newsletter and is the Director of Teaching and Learning at the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism at the City University of New York. Registration for the course is now open, so sign up in the link in the show notes. Also, Newsroom Robots now has a newsletter, so make sure you're signed up to receive it at newsroomrobots.com. And with that, let's get to today's episode. Joining me is Lynn Walsh. She's an Emmy Award-winning journalist and the Assistant Director of Trusting News, where she works to help rebuild trust between journalists and the public. She's also an adjunct professor at Point Loma Nazarene University and the past national president and ethics chair for the Society of Professional Journalists. In this episode, we discuss how newsrooms can thoughtfully experiment with AI while prioritizing the relationship of trust with their audience and how they can have guidelines that create transparency around the use of AI. Welcome to News from Robots. I'm really excited to talk about this very important topic of what it's like building trust in the age of AI. Yes, thank you so much for having me and looking forward to talking about 
things we can do and things that we're not sure maybe what the answers are, but hopefully we can figure it out together. Yeah, Lynn, I love the work you do at the Trusting News Project. I've told you this multiple times. We've used a lot of the resources you've created in our newsroom. And I precisely wanted to have you as a guest on the show to really talk about what it's like building and maintaining trust in the news, especially in the age of AI. You know, what does that mean? What does that look like? Is there a different approach to trust that we need to be thinking about? And you're the expert on helping journalists actively earn trust from their audience. And with generative AI, a lot of the talk has been about the audience and what it means for them in the way we employ AI in the newsroom. And how do we not disrupt that relationship of trust that we already have with them? So I'd like to start there with that big question of how do we think about the relationship of trust that we are building with our audience? And how does the use of AI in the newsroom impact that relationship? What should we consider? Yeah, well, first, I'm glad that you are saying that people are talking about this and thinking about it from an audience perspective. So I think that is first and foremost, really important. And when we look at and start working with newsrooms who say, you know, we want to rebuild trust, or we want to build trust, or we're seeing people question our work or be very critical of our coverage. That's one of the first things we point to is like, what is your audience and what are your users saying about you? And often there are lots of things that people are saying that can help you understand where this distrust is coming from. And so when it comes to AI and technology, we should be looking at this the same exact way. Yes, it's going to be important to think about trust related or AI and related to journalism ethics, right? That's going to be important to look at AI related to journalism ethics that have existed for years, different standards that we have. But we also absolutely have to take into account how the audience and how users are going to respond and what they're going to think about this. So the bottom line, unfortunately, trust in news is low. It is pretty much low across the board around the world. There are some spots where that maybe is not the case, but for the most part, journalist newsrooms are struggling to keep trust between their community members and their audience. And so that's a problem. I think we can all agree with that. And so there are different things that we can do as journalists to build trust. And glad to talk about more of that, but primarily how we look at that at Trusting News is it is doing journalism a little bit differently, which is primarily talking about your ethics, your values, your mission, your goals, a lot of transparency around that. There's also elements of engagement and listening that are so important. And then on top of that, there's this humility part of it where we have to understand our audience, what it's like to be a news consumer and see how are we different and or the same as that audience and how are we meeting them where they are? So that's kind of a summary of kind of building trust. And so when we know trust is low, not even taking into account a new technology or newer technology like AI, this is where we already have a problem, right? We need to work on this problem. We need to build that trust and we need to do things differently. And this needs to happen in every element of the reporting process. The issue then when you introduce something like a new technology, which technology is something people tend to be skeptical of anyways, and especially AI, people tend to be skeptical of this. They don't understand it. They don't know it. When people don't understand something, it might be scary to them or they think it's bad. They have negative reactions to it. So if you take that on top of their feelings of news and of journalism, that's where the problem has potential to be even worse. And so 
when we're thinking about AI and when we're thinking about even new technologies, right, whether that's a new product you're putting out, a new newsletter, a new texting service, whatever you might be doing, it's really important to know that and to think carefully about how your users might respond and or think about what they don't know about the technology. And so that's why for us, when we're looking at AI specifically, we really have landed at just the importance of disclosures and transparency around the use of the technology. Exactly. And I think as you were mentioning about the transparency being such a key aspect in how we are talking about AI and using it in our processes, there's also with the increasing integration of AI in the newsroom, trust is becoming paramount. And one of the biggest questions that I keep getting is always, what guidelines should we be having in the newsroom? What should that look like? So what do you see newsrooms should be having in terms of like their guidelines around transparency for what AI tools should be be transparent about that we're using in our process? Is there a particular criteria in where you think we should be like being transparent about how we are using AI in the newsroom? So this is an area where I think we definitely need, and I think it would be helpful to have research around, right? Because we really don't know at this point how the audience, I mean, kind of users and community members on sort of a a large scale will respond to a disclosure that AI was used in a news story. Like we really, there hasn't been a lot of testing around that. And so I think one, that's important. That's something that I think we should be investing in as an industry to kind of understand. Then when you think about that, it's all about how you're saying it, where you're putting the disclosures, right? So all of these things are all questions that I don't know that we have good answers for yet. And I think are going to continue to evolve. But the worst thing that can happen is that you are using AI to help with the headline, to help you with the story idea. You don't tell the audience. They find out. They go on X, they go somewhere else, they tell everyone, then it's like this gotcha moment. That is going to be very bad for your newsreel, for that story, for potentially trust moving forward, right? So that's what we don't want to see happen. We want to work with newsrooms to say, if you are using AI in any capacity, let's figure out how to talk about that publicly. So again, I'm not sure we know what the best answer is, because I would really like to add some research to this to kind of see how people respond. But in general, what I kind of have come up with and envision is maybe you don't know every way you're going to use AI, right? Because we probably don't at this point. But most newsrooms could probably make a list of ways that they're not going to use AI, right? We are not maybe going to have AI just write a story for us, which no human is going to edit or touch, right? I think that's something that I think most newsrooms could say, yes, that is something we agree with. So a recommendation that I would love to see newsrooms start doing is like brainstorm that. When would you not use AI? And sometimes like when we talk about transparency and we talk about sharing policies publicly, you don't have to write these policies in ways that are in paragraph style and go into every detail. They can just, one, it's important that it's something that the public understands. So if you write it in a way that says, we are exploring the use of AI, we are doing this because we think there are ways where it could help us be more efficient and or it can make our reporting better, which hopefully those are reasons you are using it. Those are all true, right? But as we explore, we're not sure exactly every way we're going to use it. Let's be honest about that. 
Because maybe we're not. And I think that's okay to say. Show a little vulnerability. I think that's real. That shows that we're really thinking about this in real time. And then say, but we know there are ways that we are not going to use it. And here those are. Here are what those are. And lay those out. And publish that. Get that on a page with maybe other policies. And then I would say, if in a story you used AI to maybe help with a headline, maybe to help find sources, maybe... You used AI to help make the process more efficient by taking a longer story and making it into a social post, those types of things. Say, you know, in this post, we used AI to do X. To read more about our approach to AI, click here. That is kind of the sort of basic, I guess, transparency disclosure that I think at this point for most newsrooms could really work. Now, some newsrooms are way more advanced and they have different ways that they are currently using AI and they could get very specific about those. If you are one of those newsrooms that can do that, let's make that public. Let's not keep that internal. Let's see how we can share some of that publicly and put that kind of on the same page. Now, I think your question of like, how often does someone see that disclosure? Does it go on every story, even if it was something that was used to fix a headline? Those are things, you know, I'm not sure, I'm not sure the answer to that. I mean, my personally, as someone who believes very strongly in transparency, I want to say yes, but I do wonder, does the audience then think that you're just always using AI? And if that's not the case, you don't want to kind of portray that message. So yeah, I'm not quite sure the answer there. I think it's complicated and I think we'll figure it out. But I think the bottom line is, is if there are people in the newsroom using AI, we should be having this conversation internally. We should be realistically sharing what we're doing and maybe what we're not doing, right? And then the next step, having people weigh in. What do you think about if we use AI this way? Like, let's talk more publicly about it, I guess, and not make it seem like it's this like dirty tool we're using that we're not supposed to be, I guess. I think that openness from other experiences with the public when people have concerns about how journalism works, when we have open conversations and sort of learn in public with them, they feel like they're a part of the process. They're more willing to say, okay, they're experimenting, right? We're we're being honest with them. And if we're willing to then correct mistakes, if we get it wrong, I just think that's the best way to move forward instead of this, don't touch it, don't use it. And the other concern that I just personally have with that type of policy, which I know I have friends in some newsrooms who have been told you cannot use it, don't touch it, is I feel like do we find ourselves in similar situations that we did when the internet was starting and when social media was starting? And do the bad actors sort of gain a lot of traction in the ethical, responsible, accurate reporting? We fall behind. And that could be really detrimental to the information space. And so I don't want to see that happen. And I think there are ways that we can experiment ethically, responsibly, by being transparent about that use of it to not let that happen again. Exactly. I agree with you. Uh, I think it's a delicate time. We should be, the trade-off is quite big, I would say, of like not using a chat GPT or any of these generative AI tools, because once you give access to a lot of different people in your newsroom to have the opportunity to play around with it, you get more ideas and use cases that you would never have had probably. It might be just like your marketing team. It's not just a tool for your marketing team or your product team, but 
anybody who is able to have this can now be able to solve problems with it. And that way you would have more ideas on how this could be impactful for your newsroom as well. And it's also the whole big thing comes on like, is it information overload sometimes for audience when they're using, when they're seeing so much of information that you're saying that you use this particular tool to do your social media posts or Grammarly has been around for a really long time. And that's basically AI. We never really told people that we were using Grammarly. So what's the big difference right now that we are all thinking of ChatGPT or any of these tools as different than what we were previously? We were using AI. Yeah, it's so funny because until I've gone to a couple conferences that are kind of more tech focused, where there are more kind of tech people in journalism than necessarily the reporters and the editors. And to hear some of these conversations about, well, what about using Excel formulas? What about, I mean, kind of all of these different things that in Grammarly, spell check, I mean, all of these things, right? Like they are a form of what AI is doing, right? It's a kind of very simplistic form, but it's interesting to hear them kind of rethinking some of this in a way that didn't come to mind for me, I guess. And I think so the question is like, why is this different? And I think it's different because tools like ChatGPT and some of these other tools that are allowing you to have an avatar and like use your voice, even though you're not even tracking something like that is just so much more further along, I think, than what some of those other tools are doing. And I think they're also with that, with the larger capabilities and the more vast capabilities that they have, there then are a lot more greater concerns about potentially things that could be produced that are misleading, misinformation, without people's knowledge. So I think there absolutely is a reason for people to be asking tough questions about it and for there to be concern. What I will say, though, is that no one else, let's talk influencers, let's talk anyone who wants to spread misinformation, right, or who has an agenda, a political agenda, or wants a certain issue in an election to win, most likely they're not going to be experimenting with this technology in a way that is ethical, responsible, and accurate as journalists would. So I really see this as an opportunity for the industry, for journalists, for newsrooms to say, yeah, some of these tools are great. Some of them are terrible. Here's how you can use them responsibly. Like we could actually take the lead on one, doing it in our own newsrooms to potentially help with some things, But then also, we can also help educate the public on how these tools work, how they can be used, how we are using them for good, how we're not using them, because we're concerned about things that they could do that could be detrimental to society, produce misinformation, right? So I think by ignoring it and not experimenting with it, we do a disservice to ourselves, but really at the end of the day, it's the communities that we are doing a disservice to. And I think your point about allowing people to experiment and learn from each other is so key because also not only might you find new good ideas, also you're going to find bad ideas and that's okay too. And we can learn from that and share that and explain that and make sure that's clear to other members of the community, students, teachers, anyone else that's sharing information. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to be the people informing the public about AI, I think it's also a responsibility for us to know exactly how it works and what can it do, because we'll be living and reporting on a world where AI is going to 
be everywhere. It's already everywhere. So the fact that we, if we aren't saying we don't want to touch AI at all, it's also dangerous over there. And also another question in terms of like the ethics, as you were saying, building that, thinking about that ethical approach of having, using AI in our news. When we are talking about created AI generated videos is another topic that I think about a lot. There's a lot of tools now. We have like Noda, this new tool called Videofy just had a public launch. They were in beta for quite a while. And while they were in beta, it was a pretty cool tool where you take a news article and you upload it and it automatically creates it into a video, which I thought was pretty cool. It reduces the time for journalists and stuff. But then there's also the feature where you can add an, a human avatar, a picture, and it has a voice and everything. And so this way you could create like custom people avatar and have that as part of the video as well. It's already mainstream in a lot of places. If you see all of these like how-to guides and stuff, all of those videos are uh, being positioned as having AI avatars and they look like humans. So how do we consider what's not probably a way for us to go about is having AI avatars now entering a way where people might be trusting our journalists' AI avatars instead of the humans themselves. But at the same time, it might be more efficient to get those videos out and have a personal connection. How should we be thinking about these like ethical dilemmas? So, I mean, as someone who cares deeply about journalism ethics, and so something I always talk about is like, Anytime you're producing a piece of journalism or sharing information, you probably are going to cause some type of harm. So the whole time as you are producing journalism and sharing something, the goal is how are we going to minimize that harm? And so you often are weighing like the public's right to know versus potential harm that could be caused by sharing this information. Now, that information could harm one person. It could harm a whole community. It could cause a lot of chaos within government, right? I mean, there are all sorts of different things that could happen. And so I think we have to approach AI with some of the similar, with that similar approach. That would be something where I would start, right? Like, so, but then also think about, okay, what are like the pros, right? So I think there are a lot of things that AI can help with when it comes to efficiency. So that example you gave of, if we want to reach audiences, we're responsible, ethical, journalists producing accurate information, right? We want to reach as many people as possible. Nowadays, that means you have to turn content into so many different formats. You have the web story, a video can help, a social video, right? Maybe something on YouTube, maybe a podcast. I mean, there are all sorts of different versions, again, to kind of reach as many people as possible. And so if you are taking content you produced and then using AI to help you basically make it bite-size, make it something for social, I think that could be a really good use case. I think that could be efficient. I think there are questions you're gonna have to ask about where images coming from, where's audio coming from, from some of this, right? But like, those are things that we can we can ask as we go along the process. But I potentially see that as a good use case for AI in a newsroom. Now, when you add on to it though, okay, so now we're going to create an avatar. The first question I have is like, does that look like the person who the reporter is or does it look like someone else? And I think that's where if you make it look like yourself, I feel like I feel a little more comfortable with it. But if you make it look like someone else, that seems kind of deceptive to me. And are we increasing the potential harm then? Is it actually your voice? I know in some cases it can be, in some cases it's not. And again, it's kind of that deception and that kind of what does the audience deserve? And I think the audience deserves an authentic view of who's producing the news, right? And so 
we should be willing, and I know this is not always the case because sometimes it's not safe to tell who you are, what you look like, what you sound like, right? There are people reporting in areas where it is not safe to be a journalist. And so, but if you were here in the U.S., maybe that's something where you're like, you know, it's actually, I don't know how one ethical, but also I'm not being authentic to my audience. And authenticity is something that can help build trust, right? People knowing who you are. And so those are questions around the use of the avatar. And I would say anytime, if you are using that avatar, there should be definitely a disclosure. If the avatar is not made to resemble you, I think we should disclose that. People don't want to be deceived. That's only going to add to mistrust. And we don't want to see that happen. But these are things like, I would be really curious, how does the public respond to the use of an avatar versus a real person hearing a real person's voice or seeing a real person's face? I don't know the answer to that question. I think that's something that probably is going to depend on a lot of different things about who the person is that we're asking. And we may find people are fine with it and really comfortable with it. So then the question is, okay, how are we disclosing the use of it? How did we decide how to create the avatar? Did we use our own voice? All of those things we should be asking questions about and I think being transparent about it. Exactly. And I think those AI avatars are currently in Meta has given us an experience of what that could look like with like Kendall Jenner's AI avatars and you're having your best friend, Billy, that you can like talk to your big sis, Billy, that you can talk to and stuff like that. But the one interesting part is that they had completely given them a different name. And it's not like you're talking to Kendall Jenner, but it's like their avatar and it's made it quite clear. So I like that distinction, maybe, as well as a way to show that it's not the. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Real person that you're talking to, but it's a very different thing when you're talking from entertainment to news and applying that same thing to journalism, as you're saying. Yeah. And I think that's something to think about too. Like, what is the goal? Like, maybe if your goal is to create a a safe space for community members to talk about something, maybe it is okay that this avatar, again, I would absolutely disclose, right? This isn't a real person, but that it was made to be someone who maybe looks friendly or seems approachable. Like, And you could see how maybe that makes sense in that situation. But there might be other situations, you know, when you are providing information about a war, about some mass shooting, where having someone who isn't really the reporter and the avatar looks totally different, maybe that doesn't make sense in that case. And so those are things that we're going to have to consider. We should definitely be having conversations about and the audience and the community should be involved in that conversation, I think. It should be, and when I say involved in the conversation, they should be asked their opinion and we should be taking what they're saying into consideration. I think that conversation with the audience becomes so important and like constantly talking to them right now, because as we introduce all of these changes, we cannot 
keep them out of it. And I think they are the center of what we're doing and why we're doing it. And also when you're talking about audience and our readers and we're, over 1 billion people are going to be going through elections in the upcoming year. And it's a really big election year across the world. And really misinformation, as we're seeing, AI-generated misinformation has really the power to supercharge all of these lies. And it's already been a big issue that we've been dealing with. And you're putting AI now into the mix. How should we as newsrooms be kind of preparing for the election cycle? And What's the big difference that you see going to be in how we'll be talking and covering about elections this time around? Well, so that goes back to the point of making sure that we as newsrooms, we as a news industry are not ignoring this technology because, and I think this is something we saw with social media, as newsrooms kind of ignored it, they fell behind. Then that means they don't know kind of the top things that what it's capable of. So then if you don't know what it's capable of, you can't detect if it's being used, one, how it's being used, when it's being used, that can be extremely dangerous in the information gathering process and kind of helping fact check some of this information that's out there, potentially being duped into thinking that something's real when it's not. And so even if as a newsroom, you're not at a point where you want to experiment with the use of it with your own content, we need to make sure that people in the newsroom and not just one person, this is what sometimes happens. You have one person with a big corporation or maybe one person with a big newsroom that's like the AI expert. Well, the reporter on the ground also needs to be aware of how AI can be used. And that doesn't mean they need to know everything, but we need to be training newsrooms and journalists on what AI can do, how it can be used, what it looks like, how to spot it. All of those things are gonna be so, so important. And there are definitely newsrooms who are working with to make sure that their journalists are aware of this. There are organizations that are kind of leading different trainings about this, which I think is great. I think that's something we can't, if you just put a blockade on don't use AI, unfortunately, that sometimes means that you then aren't even aware of what it can do, which can be detrimental in the information gathering process. So that's kind of the first thing I would say is we need to make sure we are aware of its capabilities. We learn how to spot it. We're training in our entire newsroom, right? on how to spot it, what things to look for. And then I think we also should be having conversations with our audience about the fact that it's out there and what we are going to do to help them decipher information that's out there. We really do need to kind of be that tool for them. And are we willing to let them contact us if they see something and they're unsure if it's real or not? Some newsrooms do this and it's amazing because who else is doing that? No one else is. They're asking their Facebook friends who that's not maybe going to help them. Maybe it will sometimes. Most of the time, probably not. And then it just spreads further. So why don't we be that resource for them? We can build that relationship, build that trust by helping them in this situation when they're not sure what's real or not. I see AI literacy actually is the biggest, should be the biggest focus for us right now, both inside the newsroom as well as helping our audience understand AI. And we can only do that if we ourselves are more well-versed with AI and we're using it and understanding its potentials and capabilities. So I completely agree with you on that. And also, but at the same time with these tech innovations coming around, how do you see AI could be leveraged to really enhance trust in journalism at the same time? What can we be thinking about how we can build on and any innovations we can do to help us a relationship of trust with audience? 
Yeah. So one thing we are very interested in is just the the disclosure of the use of AI, like what that looks like, how you can build trust through that. And people may be thinking, building trust through a disclosure, how do you do that? And it's funny, we find that you can do that. When you are transparent about how you do things and why you do things, and that the fact that you have policies and guidelines and ethics that are literally guiding your decisions, that you're not just deciding randomly what to cover, what not to cover, who to talk to, who not to talk to. When people have an understanding of all of those ethical decisions that you make, that can build trust. And so AI is a part of that. And so we are very curious about how you're explaining it. And then how are you allowing the audience like into your process through the use of it and allowing them to also weigh in and kind of give you feedback on the use. So that's one thing. The other two areas where I think there's potential is like, I would love to see, I think, so one thing when we talk about what can build trust, you have the issue of transparency. You also have the issue of engagement, right? Both of these are things that journalists say they want to do. We really don't hear journalists say that we don't want to do this, right? The problem is that the reporting system that exists in most newsrooms doesn't make this work easy. It becomes an add-on. It becomes something that's extra. When something becomes an add-on or extra work, it doesn't often happen. Or it gets happens after the fact, which then it's not as effective. And so we are very curious if AI can help make some engagement and maybe some transparency work a little bit easier. And so I'm not sure exactly what that looks like right now, but I would love to experiment. Like how could AI make engaging with an audience easier? Is that through something like an avatar or a chatbot that's a little more inviting? I don't know. Like that, maybe that is something that's possible. The other thing related to trust is this idea of can AI help us detect potential bias and or how stories could be received, perceived. And this is something that we have explored a little bit, but are really wanting to explore more. And the idea is, is that when we produce news content, we all have our own personal bias. We all have our own experiences. We all use language that is based on how we've lived our lives, how we've grown up, where we live currently, where we've lived in the past. All of that is different from person to person. And if someone feels differently than you do on an issue, especially you take hot button issues like abortion, climate, anything really political or health related, I feel like, libraries, books, I mean, the list is longer and longer. But sometimes when we write the stories, our bias or our viewpoint, it goes into the story without us even realizing by the words we choose, by who we chose to talk to, how many quotes from someone we chose to include, who we didn't choose to talk to. Maybe there's an entire perspective that's missing because guess what? We aren't aware of it because we haven't met that person or haven't gone to that part of town yet. And so we are curious to see, could AI help with this by basically using it as a journalist? Let's say, for example, I'm writing about climate. And before I write the story, I say, I'm writing a story about the changing climate. And I want my story to be read and understood by people who are environmentalists, but also are climate change skeptics. What are things I should keep in mind as I'm writing the story. So we've asked ChatGPT questions like this, and the responses are 
pretty good. They give pretty good advice on watching for word choice, things to include, things not to include. We've even taken different stories from news organizations, put it into ChatGPT and said, if I am someone who is skeptical of climate change, would I detect any bias in this article? And they point out specific words that maybe might be problematic to someone like that. And so that is something that I think there's potential for. Now, all of that said, there definitely are potential drawbacks, right? The information that AI tools like ChatGPT are, that they learn from, obviously has a bias to begin with. So we're not saying this is the end-all be-all and you take what it spits back out to you and you go act on it. But we do wonder if it could help train journalists to maybe think a little more critically and carefully about language, words that they're using, who they're talking to as they're doing these stories with the goal of reaching a broader audience. And so we want to test that more. It's something that I would be really curious if this helps journalists, again, build that kind of into their practice, the idea of huh, before I publish this, let's think about what would someone on the other side of this issue think about this story? Is there anyone else I should talk to before I publish, right? Those are the kind of questions that we, journalists should be asking anyways, but most are not. So could AI help make that become part of the process? That's the question. Yeah, and I think that's an opportunity we didn't really have before just putting it and getting feedback on like a wide range of audiences, right? How would different people on different sides of the issue respond to that particular topic? If you had to do that, you'd have to go out and actually speak to your audience. And that takes time and effort, whereas this isn't just a click of a button and you get that response straight away. So it's easier. And so a couple things, like as I've thought about this a lot and as we've held conversations with journalists who have either tried it themselves and or are curious about it or interested in about it. Some takeaways we've had is that we think there's potential here for AI to be used as a tool this way to help journalists better understand how people with different viewpoints may react to topics, but specifically polarizing topics. But to your point, we, we definitely do not think that this should replace actual engagement or listening work. And then a couple other things we've learned just from doing kind of the couple different questions we've asked in kind of experimentation with it is that the prompts that you're using definitely matter. And we would definitely love to experiment with that more. Also, the feedback potentially might be too general to be helpful. Sometimes it's kind of very generic and it might be something that, yes, it's a good idea, but it's not specific enough. Like anyone could have kind of said, to do that, but it's not really pointing you in a good direction. And then just the importance of the disclosure if you're using it that way, and that we really do believe that it should be used to improve work, not like create it from scratch, if that makes sense. This is a way to help make your reporting better, not do the reporting for you. Yeah, exactly. And I think this is a 
topic that a lot of people are interested in as well. This is one of the journalism AI projects are creating, which is a fellowship that happens uh, part of the London School of Economics Journalism AI, where they bring together different newsrooms. And I think three different newsrooms are working on together on this project of a bias blocker, which I think I, I had mentioned this to you about an AI plugin to identify and annotate bias in English as well as Arabic texts. And so I think that's a problem, as you were saying, that a lot of people are seeing bias once people think something is biased, that lead, does lead to a impacts a trust that our audience would have in our news. And so I think it's a very interesting use case of how we could use ChatGPT and these tools. Well, and it doesn't just impact trust. It really potentially leads to them avoiding the, your content altogether. And so this is kind of where, like when I talk to journalists and, you know, I worked primarily as an investigative journalist where stories sometimes took a year or more. Obviously, you had quicker turns, but you spent a lot of time on it. And so to me, the worst thing that can happen when you spend all that time on a story is because of the word in the headline or because of it's missing one whole perspective that people see and they're like, wow, they read the headline or they read the first couple paragraphs and they're like, this is so out of touch. This is so off base. And then they stop reading. That is like the worst thing that can happen, I think. And so like, if your goal as a journalist is to reach your community, like your entire community or as much of the community as possible, because you really believe your information can be helpful to them, can be useful, is accurate, is credible, then we should be asking ourselves these questions because it doesn't just lead to distrust. It leads to people not consuming your information. And the thing is, people think, oh, well, they just people don't want information anymore. That is not the case people are still getting information. It is just not coming from you as the journalist. It's coming from their Facebook group. It's coming from their friend who owns a business. It's coming from their friend that's on the Chamber of Commerce, right? Which could be credible information, but probably has some bias or agenda behind it, more so than your reporting does. And so which is better for them to have? And I would argue, because I do work with a lot of journalists and the journalists I've worked with, I would much rather my family, my friends be consuming information coming from the journalists I've worked with and the journalists I know, then relying on just what people's opinions are on the Facebook feed or from the person they see in line at the bank or something. Exactly. I think that's a very valid point, important point that you're bringing up about it's, they're not consuming news, but they are still consuming information. That information is just not coming from organizations like news, which traditionally was to give the information because now with social media, anybody can put up anything. Anyone can start a newsletter. Anyone can write any blog post and have that circulated. And that becomes their source of information. And we've had this really interesting conversation on like how to integrate AI ethically in newsrooms. And I want to just get kind of like your last take and what do you see is your perspective on how the future uh, would evolve? What's your hope for the future of AI in newsrooms? Well, I really hope, I guess, two things. One, I hope that we as an industry don't totally ignore this technology and or say hands off. I really think in the past when that has happened or we've dismissed something like social media, like the internet, we fall behind. That sets us up, I think, for a struggle. I don't want to maybe say failure, but it sets us up for a struggle. We have a battle ahead to kind of to then learn the technology and get ahead of everyone else who's sharing information, but maybe it's not as ethical or responsible or accurate as what we can do. And so 
That's the first thing. I really want to see the industry not just say, don't touch it. The other thing when I say that, though, is I think it's important that that goes for like all newsrooms. And I know for smaller newsrooms, this is a lot more difficult. But like often I feel like what we're seeing now is you see kind of the big players in news are talking about it and are using AI or experimenting with AI. But you see smaller news organizations not. And what I also don't want to see is local news organizations, smaller news organizations sort of fall so far behind that they can't catch up. They don't know where to begin. They don't know how to use it. Where then we see kind of this, the other newsrooms who are larger, who take the time to do it, kind of succeeding and finding ways to use it. So if there are larger newsrooms that are using it, it's like we have to share the knowledge and make sure that we're training all journalists. And I would say, I think broaden it, not just journalists, but let's talk to influencers that are out there. Let's talk to people on YouTube that people do trust to get their information. And let's have these conversations with them. Let's teach them best practices. Because that is in some cases where people are getting information. And if we as journalists care about people getting information, we can't forget about that element. Let's make it all kind of better and step up. So I really do hope we can do that. And I think, you know, the other thing is I, I really hope this allows for, I think it can help with some efficiency. I do. And I think by helping with some of the kind of more mundane tasks or just some of the work that could be kind of easily duplicated or done by AI, then we're able to spend more time with the more time-consuming work. We can host community events, community conversations. We can actually then talk to members of our community so we understand their perspectives more, which is only going to make our reporting better. So I hope that if we see that happen, we don't then start saying, oh, we don't need someone on creating social posts anymore. Like, no, that's not the goal. The goal is now that person can actually engage with the community and set up listening events and ask questions. So that's kind of the the direction I would love to see this take journalism into. Exactly. I think we've spent so much time not being outside in the community. And now if it can help us get to producing stories quicker and just all of the mundane tasks and routine tasks are automated, in a way we can get out and be out in the field reporting, actually speaking to people. The more we are in our community and the more our people see, our audience sees us, the more we'd be able to build that relationship of trust with them as well. Oh my gosh, yes. And I mean, imagine then it frees you up to do another story that like is important to the community, not just the crime stories. You're able to dive a little deeper. Like that just would make the community is better. It's going to make our content better. And so I think that would be an incredible way to see that the industry could see the benefits of AI with disclosures, of course. And I really like that point as well as you're talking about like bringing in and helping others in the information ecosystem and educating them as well on what the best practices of using AI could look like. And I think we have that responsibility as well with others in the information ecosystem, helping them as well. And so a lot of great points. And I think if helped me understand a lot of these ethical questions that I was also thinking about and how to think about it, which was really amazing. But I'd love to like end things out with understanding more in terms of what AI is looking like in your own personal life. How have you been using it? Any fun cases, use cases for chat GPT that have been part of your daily life? So the one, I guess, kind of professionally, I've been exploring a lot of different ways with kind of the bias and the polarization, Ask, coming up with different prompts, kind of figuring out how to best ask questions about that, seeing the differences between when you ask 
ChatGPT, for example, or if you ask Bing or, the, you know, what are the differences? Like, what, what are they kind of saying? So that's been something just professionally that I've been exploring a lot. The other thing I've been exploring is kind of that efficiency, right? So at Trusting News, if I, we try to reach people just like a newsroom where they are. And so that means that we're, we have a newsletter. We also then sometimes that newsletter is a shortened version of a medium post. Sometimes we are trying to summarize what newsrooms are doing. And so using it that way to take like my own content and then seeing, okay, can this basically make me more efficient to create a social post, to create a shorter version, to create a video script, those types of things. I was thinking about this today. I really haven't used ChatGPT or kind of AI for a lot of personal things. The one thing I did do though, is I did ask it this summer. I asked ChatGPT, I was heading to um, Glacier National Park in Banff with my family and just was like the crunch, the deadline was on and I wasn't sure like I didn't have the mindset. Normally, I like love planning and kind of looking stuff up. And I was like, you know, kind of drained. So I typed in, plan me a four-day trip to Glacier. Plan me a four-day trip to Banff. And it's funny, it, it was a helpful draft. I will say I still spent quite a lot of time moving things around, switching things, crossing things off the list, kind of looking at photos and hikes and that kind of thing. But it at least gave me like a good skeleton agenda, I would say, which was nice. And so maybe I'll explore more with that, but we'll see. A travel planner as well. Yes. Your pocket travel planner. (laughs) Well, Lynn, such a great time talking to you as always. And it's such an insightful conversation, especially on how we should be thinking about trust in news and what the ethics of using AI looks like. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Yes. Thank you for having me. And I guess the one last thing I would just say is If you are a newsroom who is using AI and wants to draft a public facing like explanation, like reach out to me, please. I would love to take a look and help you with that because I think we need to see more and we need to just get on the record more about the use of that. Absolutely. And I would highly encourage anyone who is doing that to take advantage of this opportunity because the work that Trusting News is doing is pretty incredible and important for helping us as journalists. Yes, thank you. That was Lynn Walsh, the Assistant Director of Trusting News. Stay updated with the Newsroom Robots podcast and sign up for our newsletter at newsroomrobots.com. This podcast is made possible thanks to the Harvard Innovation Lab's Spark Grant. I'm Nikita Roy, and this is Newsroom Robots. Newsroom Robots.